Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. This is WSBT's Community Update on 96.1 WSBT. Good morning, I'm John Hoffman. After the worst weekend yet for coronavirus cases and deaths in Indiana last weekend, St. Joseph County Deputy Health Officer Dr. Mark Fox joined WSBT 22's First in the Morning Monday to discuss where we go from here. St. Joseph County's Deputy Health Officer Dr. Mark Fox joins us for our weekly update. We appreciate your time. Boy, this is a, where do you want to start? Uh, last night, the governor in Michigan, I know you don't have jurisdiction in the state of Michigan, but we've seen some significant changes that will be happening effective Wednesday with schools and the like. The question for you today is, will we see our schools around here or is there any discussion taking the same steps, shutting down the high schools and affecting the extracurricular sports and things like that? You know, the difference in Michigan, the governor took decisive action for the state as a whole. In Indiana, Governor Holcomb has now developed a new plan county by county, but really kick the can down the road to the local level. And, and claims that the local officials have the authority to do something, to impose restrictions. And yet the legal authority to do that really is completely unclear. So it's very clear that the health officer has authority to close schools, close churches, and forbid public gatherings. It says nothing about bars, restaurants, gyms, movie theaters, etc. Um, so that makes it really challenging. We've been meeting with local elected officials trying to develop some consensus about an approach. We have some recommendations. Um, we have not yet achieved unanimity. Where are we today? Is it as bad as it was a week ago? Um, Friday the 13th was a really unlucky day. 479 cases in St. Joseph County. We had three days in a and row. That shatters the record, right? Oh, yeah, well, almost, almost double. So we had three days in a row over 300. Um, so we had almost 1,200 cases actually over the weekend. Um, and the risk is, you know, the lag in hospitalizations is 12 to 14 days. So the ripple effect from those 1,200 people will realize Thanksgiving weekend, and our hospitals and ICUs are already full. We are at capacity, so are there we There is no at, room in the end. The, is there any overflow? Are you talking about, uh, there has been discussion already about making other places available for, for hospitalized patients or taking people who are, are not COVID patients and putting them somewhere else to give more room in the hospital. Whatever the case may be, are we at that point now where we're going to start opening some other centers? Well, both of our main hospitals locally have increased their capacity, created extra beds in the hospital, but our challenge right now is staffing. Uh, we have a lot of healthcare workers unavailable, um, and so there truly is no room at the end. Restrictions. Uh, there has been some discussion about additional restrictions, perhaps, uh, and you have not gone to that point uh, of taking those steps. Are we getting closer to that, and what might be on the table? Well, again, you know, thinking about places where people are likely to get infected or any indoor gatherings with, you know, multiple, with large gatherings or multiple households gathered together. So sporting events, we haven't seen a lot of transmission in schools at the elementary level at least. We've seen more at the high school level. So that, that certainly is a concern and we're talking with local districts about that. 
but truly the challenge is what's the authority, who has the authority to restrict, to impose restrictions on all the other commercial establishments? You have, of course, you're, you're a parent, you have ch children in school, and you also are in your position right now where you have some authority, uh, at the very least, to make recommendations to these districts. Are you getting calls from districts asking, what should we do? And if not, would you like to tell them, what should you do? <laughs> yeah, so we've had some discussions with several of the districts, uh, planning to talk with them all this week, uh, really to think about um, especially because we are seeing more transmission at the high school level. That seems to be the greatest pocket of risk right now. Are you suggesting that the, maybe they take these three weeks or so between Thanksgiving and Christmas and consider going virtual? I think that would have an impact on decreasing transmission, but that's really just a one piece of the puzzle. You know, if you, you could do that and pat yourself on the back and have no real impact on the rest of the county, but, but unless people make different decisions. And that's only at the high school level. Yeah, it's really, the transmission we've seen has been almost exclusively at the high school level. There has been some, some reference to the to metric board that the county came up with uh, back in the summertime going into the school year, and we have not seen the same level of transmission perhaps as was feared, you can correct me if I'm wrong with that, within the school building itself. Is there any thought of changing what that metric means and how the schools should utilize that map to determine how they're going to move forward? Well, in all honesty, we've blown so far past those metrics on on active cases and the seven-day rolling average um, because of conflicting guidance from the CDC and from the governor I think schools are, are really left to their own devices but by any measure you know we have very significant widespread community transmission and unless we do something to interrupt that um, the next several months are going to be really bleak. Have we seen any cases from the Notre Dame students rushing the field over the Clemson win? Nothing that we can pin to that specifically. There's been maybe just a slight uptick in activity at Notre Dame as they're doing their exit testing, but it, we'll really begin to realize that impact here over the next couple days. So I wanted to ask you really quickly here about the vaccine. We don't have a lot of time left. The, the, the Moderna vaccine numbers are going to come out. The Pfizer vaccine numbers came out last week and they talked about the 90% efficacy rate, 90% efficient. And all of the national folks were saying it, it prevents the coronavirus, but you're under the belief that it perhaps doesn't. What are, my, what are we missing here? It's the difference between an infection and a case, or a COVID case. So what the press release says is it prevent a reduction in COVID-19 disease. So I read that as symptomatic infection. Doesn't say that you couldn't have asymptomatic infection. And so until we actually see the scientific data, I'm uh, reluctant to trumpet this too loudly because Again, that shift from great to reduce the burden of disease, but if it creates a whole bunch of people with asymptomatic infection, that could be even more dangerous. So, so it doesn't necessarily mean that the, the other folks who are taking the other stance that it actually does block it, it's wrong. You just need to see the data first. They need to see the data first. Right, if you, if you read the press release, kind of, right now all we have is the press release and it says it reduces COVID-19, which is the disease which I read as symptomatic infection. Yeah, okay. Dr. Mark Fox, thanks very much for your time. We appreciate it. Dr. Mark Fox with Bob Montgomery on WSBT 22's First in the Morning. 
South Bend school officials decided they will not be doing a district-wide shutdown. Individual schools can be closed on a case-by-case basis, and two have so far. Superintendent Todd Cummings says a district-wide shutdown isn't warranted because he says half of the South Bend schools have had fewer than five coronavirus cases. Although the county numbers are very high, decisions about closures with the corporation are being made on an individual school-by-school basis. Closures will be responsive and not preventative. A number of parents, teachers, and staff expressed their disappointment in the district's new plan. The bottom line of many of the comments was that the coronavirus cases are too high in the county and in the schools to continue any in-person learning. One teacher wrote into the Zoom meeting saying, quote, We were promised that SBCSC schools remaining open would be data-driven, not date-driven. We have been lied to. COVID-19 cases in St. Joseph County are at a dangerous, life-altering level. Yet we, the teachers and staff who put our trust in you, our school board, are still exposed to COVID-19 on a daily basis. St. Joseph County's deputy health officer says elementary age and younger students show little risk of transmission at school and says it's a reasonably safe environment. Middle school students have some coronavirus exposure outside of school, and exposure at school is modest. However, he says high schools are where a lot of the spread and quarantining is happening. WSBT 22's Erica Finke reporting. A survey suggests about four of every ten Notre Dame students are experiencing moderate to serious levels of anxiety and stress. Four students took those university survey results and created a petition asking the university to offer a pass-no-credit option for this semester. It's already been a condensed semester for Notre Dame students. The fall semester was shortened, starting in early August and ending by Thanksgiving, which meant cutting fall break. After coronavirus outbreak in mid-August, The university responded by adding a restoration week to counteract student burnout and rising stress. But there's evidence it wasn't enough. The students you're about to hear from all told me they or their friends are experiencing feelings of loneliness, isolation, anxiety, and depression. And it looks like there's no help coming their way. About 15% of Notre Dame's roughly 8,700 undergraduate students have gotten coronavirus so far this semester. That's more than 1,300 students. If you include students who have been forced to quarantine because of contact tracing, that number is much higher. Now it's just very disruptive to my learning. Um, I was I had to take everything online. It just wasn't the same. I was forced to do online. It wasn't my fault. I was contact traced. As a freshman, Ella Murphy isn't just dealing with the adjustment to Notre Dame's rigorous academics. She's been forced to switch back and forth between in-person classes and online classes three times. Students that are forced to quarantine are forced to do online um, for weeks at a time, possibly. Notre Dame conducted a student survey in October to measure mental health issues. It found more than 1,500 of the 3,700 students surveyed were experiencing moderate to serious psychological distress. In response, Notre Dame Provost Marie Lynn Miranda emailed faculty on October 21st explaining the results and asking them to consider dropping an assignment or a low grade, canceling class for a day, things like that. But because it was a request and not mandatory, some students say the provost's email didn't change anything. Four of my professors did not even address the email at all. And one professor did address it in class, mentioned that he understood that we were very stressed, and then gave us another assignment. Olivia Rubin, Ella Murphy, and two others decided to do something about it. They posted a petition asking the university to offer an optional pass, no credit grading system for the fall semester. It had the required 200 student signatures in four hours and hit 1,000 within the week. By the time the Student Senate considered it on October 29th, it had 1,300 signatures. The Student Senate passed it 30 to 4 with one abstaining. The four students were hopeful 
the university would agree. So maybe that improves the, the quality of learning for some students who are focused now on learning rather than on grades. Here's the thing, the students say. It wouldn't be the first time the university lets students have the pass, no credit option. That's what the university lets students do in the spring. It's because there was a lot of discontinuity academically and because there was high levels of student stress and the university was moving to try to mitigate those concerns. Duggan and the other students say the same conditions that were present in the spring are happening again this fall. I asked one professor how he thought the spring semester went. I was very pleased when the university offered a pass-fail option. But Richard Williams says he's not sure the pass-no-credit option is right for every student. But I, I do not object to at least making it more widely available. Students waited two weeks for the university to respond to the student senate's resolution. On Thursday, Notre Dame's associate provost, Hugh R. Page, emailed the students that the Academic Reopening Committee unanimously voted against the resolution. He writes, We felt that course-specific adjustments to pedagogy and the evaluation of student performance offer more nimble and sustainable benefits in the long run. We believe that individual professors are doing their best to adapt teaching and assessment measures. After the university's response, Ella Murphy tells me the decision was, quote, disappointing. She says some of her most difficult classes made no changes at all, while others dropped the lowest assignment or quiz grade. But she says that because every single assignment, exam, or lab is impacted by the current circumstances, dropping one thing isn't enough. Page mentions in his response that there will be some built-in breaks this spring, and the Academic Reopening Committee is continuing to get input about how the fall semester went. WSBT 22's Tolly Taylor reporting. Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb says religious groups are exempt from new outbreak restrictions aimed at limiting the spread of the virus. WSBT 22 looked at how a local church is keeping people safe as coronavirus cases rise. The St. Joseph County Department of Health sent a letter to church leaders on October 13th, encouraging them to go virtual after identifying clusters of coronavirus from religious organizations. Others, you know, have chosen to continue worshiping in person, and so we've tried to work with them to help them do that as safely as possible. St. Paul Lutheran Church in South Bend has maintained in-person, live stream, and car radio services since the beginning of October. Church leaders put safety protocols in place, requiring masks for everyone, social distancing on pews, and maintaining small groups for communion. Pastor Jeremiah Jordan says the church is a second home for many of the members. That's why he says it was so important to make a safe, in-person community for his parishioners. To hear words about hope and unity in a time of crazy division, it's, it's, we felt that this was too important to give up. Jording says he appreciates the governor's commitment to religious liberty, but he says it's the church's responsibility to find a balance of providing safety and spreading hope during this difficult time. It helps me to not feel alone because it can cause a lot of anxiety and things like that. So just knowing that God doesn't create the anxiety, that it's outside things um, really helps. We're all together. We're all unified in understanding it's in our it's in our COVID statement to count others as more significant than yourselves. That's the primary reason why we mask, why we distance. WSBT 22's Erica Finke reporting. The views expressed on WSBT's community update are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of the host, WSBT Radio, its staff or management. Join us again next week on Community Updates on the Sports Leader. 961 WSBT
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 